And so as always before we begin to submerge into the depths of our unsearchable inheritance, the unchanging epigraph of our study of our unsearchable inheritance in Christ is the book of Luke 24, 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms. So that we as the participants of the body of Christ would share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about Him in Scripture, we will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth in the heart, what we need to do from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can put on the new way of life. Ephesians 4, 22-24 You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new self, created by God in true righteousness and holiness. This is a place of scripture that belongs to every person that is born from the seed of the word of truth, and if a person that comes to God is born from God will not understand his calling, then his name will be blotted out of the book of life. This is not just some sort of revelation that can be received or not received. The scriptures say if we will not put off our former way of life, imagine for yourself a person has not put off his former way of life, he has not cast off of himself the old man, And as he has not cast off the old man, he's still with them. What do you think? Will the heavens receive him with the old person still inside? Or do people think that when they die, their old man also dies with them? The old person does not die because of a physical death. The old man is spiritual and You can't scare him with death. He remains with us forever if we don't get rid of him. And with him, you cannot come into heaven. Anything that's an abomination will not enter the kingdom of heaven. It says, you may say, well, I'm not like that. I've received Jesus Christ. Yes, you've received Jesus Christ, but now with what you've received, you need to save your soul, adopt your body. You need to expand that into your soul and body and so to bind the old person and then thrust him out of your body with hell into hell with noise so that in the place of the stronghold of death the stronghold of life may take its place this commanding order contains the true calling of every person that follows Christ According to scripture, a person that does not fulfill this commandment resists Christ, and the given person is then membered to the category of an antichrist, a hater of Christ. If you don't receive this truth, if you resist this truth, you hate this truth, then you are a hater of Christ. To fulfill this given commanding order, there are three destiny-impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts that we must do. Put off, be renewed, and put on. 
We have noted that it is specifically our decision regarding these three destiny-affecting acts to put off, be renewed, and put on that will determine whether we transform ourselves into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath. More specifically, will the uh, salvation that we have received happen that is given to us in the format of a guarantee or will we lose it forever which will then result in our names being forever blotted out of the book of life and unfortunately people don't even understand that they die and they think they're going to heaven they bury them they uh, send them to heaven and they say we will meet with you behind the river <clears throat> It will be very sorrowful when those like this person who died will meet with them, but not in heaven, but in hell. For uh, a large uh, portion of Christians, it says that there are many called, but few chosen. Many come to Christ, but not many have wanted to re uh, receive this truth, pay the price, because to cast off the old person with his deeds it is necessary to pay a very high price. And this is to reach, uh, deny your nation, the house of your father, and your own life, your soul. Who does not deny these things, reject these things, he is not worthy of me, the scriptures say. And those who won't deny these things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. In a particular format, we already looked at the first two requirements and stopped to study the third requirement. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the power of our already renewed mind, we then begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created according to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. <clears throat> and so for our spirit to save us, it is necessary that our soul, together with our spirit, be submerged in baptism into the death of the Lord Jesus and then rise in a new form. And then in this new form, our mind that's renewed already, the spirit then can collaborate with our mind and with our renewed mind, we can then clothe our body into the new person. We stop to study the condition contained in the 18th Psalm of David, where the Holy Spirit reveals the demands according to which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon, or God Most High, so that we can be saved from our enemies that live within our body. It is in this psalm that David calls to God and he states that God has saved him, delivered him from all of his enemies. And you see in this psalm that these were enemies that lived in his body. And the essence of this condition consists in this, that in the circumstances of our hardship, when we are putting off the old man, we can call upon the Most High, ask to our God, and confess the faith of our hearts, saying, who God is for us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, who we are to God in Christ Jesus, and what conditions do we need to fulfill to inherit all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus and by Christ Jesus. We've noted that the given allegory is one of the most powerful and all-capturing examples demonstrating the collaboration of our renewed mind as King David and God Most High and their violent conflict with the carnal mind as King Saul and governing sin in the form of our old person. 
and that by the means of confessing the faith of our heart, proclaiming who God is to us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, and who we are to God in Christ Jesus, God can receive the proper foundation He needs to join the battle for our earthly body, so He can shame the governing within our body sin, which is the old person, by, by the power of His redemption, and with noise forever thrust Him out into hell. Until the person, the old person lives within our body, this governing sin, our husband is governing sin. The one that rules in our body is our husband. And any fellowship with Christ is then as harlotry, as we've talked about. To be able to communicate with Christ, have fellowship with Christ, it is necessary to cast off of yourself the old man, die for your nation, the house of your father, and for your life in the flesh. And so, upon legitimate grounds, then you can make a matrimonial contract with Christ. But until this time, no matrimonial contract can be made. In its character, the Psalm of David contains three parts where we see demonstrated an example of the character of legitimate prayer that it's all throughout scripture that belongs to kings, priests, and prophets. The first part identifies the state of the heart of David as a warrior in prayer, which is the required basis for the legitimate status of his prayer, belonging to kings, priests, and prophets. In other words, people that do not take control of their body as a king by their renewed mind and that are not priests in their spirit and prophets they don't hear in their spirit uh, if they are not prophets yet that don't hear the Urim and the Thummim in their spirit they're not able to pr- pray then a legitimate prayer before God they can only pray a prayer like Hagar and God for the sake of Ishmael for the sake of Ishmael will hear Hagar Otherwise, he would not hear her. It's written as Abraham asked God that God bless Ishmael. God remembered Ishmael and sent the angel to Hagar, and he showed her the well, and in this way, they did not die. Second part opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer itself, which belongs to kings, priests, and prophets, which gives God the proper basis to deliver David from the hands of all of his enemies. Only a legitimate prayer can give God the proper grounds to deliver us from our old person that lives within our body. He will help us bind him until a specific time, because as soon as he will be thrusted out from within our body, immediately the stronghold of life will take its place, and our bodies from being mortal will become immortal. And that will happen in the first day of the start of the week, where all of the great events will begin, and we are at the door of that week third part illustrates the prayer battle itself in an epic way which is beyond the limitations of the typical human mind. In a specific format, we already looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part, which opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer in the eight names of God Most High. Getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David in the eight names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so that he can be saved from his enemies. And God getting to know and confessing the truth that opens the power of his names within the heart of David provided God with the right foundation to use the power contained in the capabilities 
that are in his names to battle against the enemies of David. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I have been saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1-4. And so, we call upon the Lord, and we take these eight names, and we include them in our prayers. And when you begin to pray, memorize these eight names, because they identify a covenant between us and God, and pray in this way, Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock in Jesus Christ. Lord, you are my fortress in Jesus Christ. Lord, you are my deliverer in Jesus Christ. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge in Jesus Christ. Lord, you are my shield in Jesus Christ. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation in Jesus Christ. And Lord, you are my stronghold in Jesus Christ. And then continue to pray because you already stated with these names, with these words, who God is for you. And simultaneously in these very words, what God has done for you. We already studied our inherited lot in Christ Jesus in the power of four names of God, and these are strength, rock, fortress, and deliverer, and have been studying our inherited lot contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, a living rock. The given nature of prayer where David confesses his inherited lot in the eight names of God Most High identifies the inheritance that is contained in the covenant that is made between God and man. Because of its significance, the given nature of prayer is a strategic teaching which is purposed to be the calling of every warrior in prayer, ones that have the virtue of kings, priests, and prophets who are anointed to rule over their earthly body. And if a person has not accepted the given to him anointing to govern over his calling, which is his mortal body, in the status of a king, priest, and prophet, so that he can change it into the virtue of a heavenly body, then his revelation, this revelation that is purpose for worshiping God in prayer will not benefit him. Therefore, the quality and lexicon identifying the name of God living rock as with the previous names of God most high is not able to be found in any existing dictionary of the world. Living rock is an edge of a cliff, stone or a stone defense, covering or shadow of a cliff, <clears throat> living rock bearing victory over the enemy, elephant tusk, elephant ivory, out of which we are called to build a throne for the Holy Spirit so that he can become master and lord of our life, living rock representing eternal government, living rock containing the promise of imperishable food, and living rock serving as a comfort of peace. Using the power of the given components contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, we are called to receive the victorious ability to keep and increase our profits that we receive from the invested silver of our salvation that we have invested so that we can profit. This profit consists of the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ and is a matter of the perfect will of God. Considering such a necessary tandem or such a union of God with man, it becomes vital for us to identify within each aspect of our essence the role of God and the role of man. Because, unfortunately, for the most part, Christianity 
does not know their role or God's role, and they easily take upon themselves God's role, not realizing that in this way they present them present themselves as God. You need to study well, understand your role, not to confuse it uh, with God's. First, what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot in the name of God Rock? What purpose, as it relates to achieving our salvation, is our inherited lot called to fulfill in the name of God Rock? What price needs to be paid to provide God a proper foundation to be our rock? And by what results do we determine that God truly is our rock as it relates to the achieving of our calling? We have already studied the essence of the first two questions and stopped to study question three, which is linked to the condition that when fulfilled gives the Holy Spirit the right foundation to lead us into the inherited lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel. We already studied the first seven of the components of the price providing God with the right to be our rock and have been studying the eighth component of the price. The component of the price, this eighth component, is <clears throat> the decision and ability of, of Samson to hide in the cleft of the rock Edom from the Philistines. Samson said to them, since you would do a thing like this, I will surely take revenge on you, and after that I will see. So he attacked them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. Then he went down and dwelt in the cleft of the rock Edom. Judges 15, 7, 8. I shall remind you that in Hebrew, cleft of the rock Edom means durable and long-lasting. According to the given place of Scripture, the cleft of the rock Edom within the temple of our body is the power of the name of God, Rock of Israel, where we can hide from the uncircumcised Philistines, which are our unclean thoughts and corrupt desires rising against our relationship with God. And the power in which we can clothe ourselves are the two new ropes that represent the two formats of truth of the New Testament, the power that is contained in the truth of the blood of Christ that wipes out or blots out our sins before God, and the power that is contained in the truth of the cross of Christ that eliminates the manufacturer or the producer of sin, which is our old person. The power of these two forms of truth are called to reveal themselves in the confessions of the faith of our heart, in the fresh jawbone that in victory over the uncircumcised Philistines that live within our body is the all-armor of God. And so confession, the confession of our mouth, when we confess God's faith, this is the all-armor of God. This is our, our lips becomes the all-armor of God. The symbol of the fresh jawbone of a donkey that Samson used to kill within his body a thousand Philistines, representing the uncircumcised thoughts and desires of the flesh, is the quality of the fruit of our gentle tongue. One of the members of our body that is presented to God as a tool of righteousness, where we count ourselves dead to sin in the death of the Lord Jesus and living to God in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus and proclaiming the not-existent stronghold of life within our body as existent. Therefore, our gentle mouth became the all-armor of God as the fresh jawbone of a donkey. Furthermore, we stopped to study the event that took place in the life of Samson right after he took the city gate of Gaza to the top of the mountain which faces Hebron so that by the means of the faith of our heart to bind our soul and our body with the bonds of the covenant. We have been studying the event that happened in the valley of Sarek where Samson loved a woman by the name of Delilah. We've noted that all three women that Samson had a relationship with represent from different angles the function of the saving of our soul and our body. Reading through this event, we are amazed at the strategy, uh, 
of the Philistines that they used when it comes to Samson so that they not kill him but to bind and overpower him. Additionally, each of the five Philistine leaders was ready to give Delilah 1,100 pieces of silver. This is almost two talents or more accurately, this is 66 kilograms of silver. It is paradox, but instead of just killing the sleeping Samson about whom they spoke of as the enemy and the, de- and the destroyer of their land that killed many of them, they just wanted to know where his great power was or where it lied and how to bind him so that they can overpower him. When Delilah uh, put him to sleep on, on her knee, why didn't they just come in and kill him in that moment? No, they wanted to find out where the great power was in him not to kill him so that they overpower him and humble him. Considering this, the relationship of Samson and Delilah was continuously being watched by someone that is not known who would hide in the room of Delilah. And he was not one of the Philistines. You get the impression that the guarantor of the life and well-being of the five rulers of of the Philistines that we are studying these are the five senses of a person, was not the death of Samson, but the life of Samson, but only when he is deprived of power and is bound. The next thing that amazes in this story is the open intention of Delilah that she didn't hide from Samson, one that did not include any treachery as she did not hide it from Samson, that she has the intention to bind him and deliver him into the hands of the Philistines. Considering the fact that this situation was inspired by the Holy Spirit and was completely under the control of the Holy Spirit, Samson's behavior that was being led by the Holy Spirit and was being dictated by the Holy Spirit, the strategy of the Holy Spirit becomes very interesting in the mouth of Samson where he first led uh, Delilah into error and afterwards revealed to her where his great power was and what needs to be done so that they can arrest him. To better understand this mystery that is contained in this story, we will be studying it in separate parts, which is in fact the way the Holy Spirit presented it. Afterwards, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sarek, whose name was Delilah, and the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Judges 16, uh, 4-5. The name Delilah means falling or cascading curls. The Valley Sarek, where Delilah lived, has two meanings, the Valley of the Red Grape, where the river flows, the flow of the river that begins in the Judaic mountains and afterwards 15 kilometers from Jaffa, that today is called Tel Aviv, falls into the Mediterranean Sea. The Valley Sarek, where this water flowed, is the lot of the tribe of Judah that is inhabited by Philistines, symbolizing the earthly body of a saved person. And so the Valley of Sarek represents the carnal uh, body. Uh, or the body of the flesh that has the carnal desires, that has, that reveals the law of Moses and gives power to control or rule over our body. Delilah, who lived in the valley Sarek, where the water flows, symbolizes our soul that lives within our body. The symbol of this river that flows within our body and that starts in the Judaic mountains is the promise of the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ that is being confessed with our mouth as the faith that God that's the faith of God that abides in our heart. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. Proverbs 18.4 This is a proverb. This is not a literal 
thing. This is a, a proverb. It's talking about this flowing brook, this living water when it's coming out of our mouth. The redeemed by God body of man is called to be the city of God and the holy place of the Most High upon the condition that this body has the flowing water where a person confesses the faith of God, the adoption of his body by the redemption of Christ. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just as the break of dawn. Psalm 46, 4, 5. And so this is, of course, a an allegory that he uh, that he was praying. The essence of confession of the faith of our heart is presented in the river streams that bring gladness to the city of God, the holy place of the Most High, provides God with the foundation to erect within our body the stronghold of life. However, so that we can provide God with the legitimate foundation to erect the stronghold of life within our body, the streams of our confessions first need to destroy the stronghold of death by voluntarily and willingly submerging into the death of the Lord Jesus. But let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Amos 5.24 And so first, judgment needs to take place over our soul. It's not possible to separately submerge the soul. You need to, for our spirit, we need our spirit to take the soul and together they submerge into the death of the Lord Jesus. And the soul knows this. And so she waits until the spirit of a person will be bound with the bounds of the covenant together with the soul and in this way will be subdued in this way. God will then resurrect the soul because he enlivens a a spirit of a contrite heart, a, a, a broken spirit, a contrite heart. Therefore, the first reason why Samson, as our sacred person, loved his soul in the form of Delilah is because she lived in the valley Sarek, which symbolizes his body, where the stream flowed that presents within our earthly body the existence of the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. Second reason why Samson loved Delilah is for her bright orange or red falling curls, which symbolize acknowledging the delegated authority of God, in this case Samson, over herself. Your head crowns you like Mount Carmel, and the hair of your head is like purple. A king is held captive by your tresses. Songs of Solomon 7.5 We can conclude that the reason Delilah was in collusion with the five rulers of the Philistines that symbolically represented the five senses within our body, identifying the aspect of our fleshly emotions, the reason for the collusion was to inspire him to reveal to her the source of his strength also how to bind him so that they can overpower him so that by humbling him they can receive grace from the Lord. As it is written, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. 1 Peter 5, 5, 6. The essence of this humbleness consisted in the fact that Delilah took the silver from the five rulers of the Philistines that represented the price for purchasing the five senses from the dependence of governing sin. As the silver that was taken by Delilah from the five rulers of the Philistines presented the symbol of the guarantee of our salvation that we need to invest so that we can receive it for ourselves as profit, the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. Therefore, the adoption of our body, which is the calling of our new person, is not able to be received without the saving of our soul. That is 
our five senses being led by the, re the reasonable aspect of our soul together with the aspect of our will. Considering the saving of our soul by which we are called to erect the stronghold of life within our body is the prerogative of our sacred person. So for our new person to be able to fulfill his calling, he needs to be bound so he can be humbled with his own, with his own consent. For thus is the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, with whom him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones, Isaiah 57.15. And so with their humility as Christ have fulfilled God's will as he did not resist and he made it the death, even the death of the cross. We need to in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ to die for our life, for our nation, and for the house of our Father. To be clothed into the resurrection of Christ, we need the mutual collaboration of all three aspects of our essence, focused on being submerged into the baptism, into the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now let us look at the development of this event, where we see presented the relationship between Samson, who represents our new person, and Delilah, who represents our soul. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. She is the one who bound him with them. Now men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room. And she said to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it, is, when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. So that we can study the given story within our body, with all of its characters and details, it is necessary first to determine what does the bedroom of Delilah represent within our body. Who is this nameless character that lies in wait in the bedroom of Delilah? What do the seven fresh bowstrings represent within our body that were brought to Delilah by the five rulers of the Philistines and that she used to tie up Samson? And what goal did the Holy Spirit have in these seven fresh bowstrings that he wanted to show Delilah? Delilah's bedroom symbolizes our soul. That is the place where we rest in Christ and the place where our soul finds rest in God. Only in God may truly my soul silently waits for God, for Him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is my God. Psalm 62, 1, 2. Na the nameless character that lied in wait within the bedroom of Delilah presents the symbol of the word of God that is hidden within our heart that is called to keep our soul from sin. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11 This is who was lying there in wait, that nameless individual that was lying in wait in the room. <clears throat> because it continually keeps repeating that, that there was someone in her bedroom. 
to establish the reason why the Holy Spirit by the mouth of Samson told Delilah that if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. We will need to look at the symbol of the number seven that represents fullness or completeness that applies to these seven fresh bowstrings. In the given story, the number seven represents such a nature of completeness where all of the abilities that we have are being utilized so that we can enter the kingdom of heaven. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Matthew 11:12. Therefore, the symbol of the seven fresh bowstrings with which Delilah tied up Samson so that she can humble him are the special functions of our sovereign will that we fully or completely utilize in the confession of our hope for the salvation of God in the form of the kingdom of heaven. In the ancient times, bowstrings for shooting using a bow were constructed using sinews of animals and rawhide. Therefore, the fresh bowstrings why is it fresh is that a string, these are strings that have not yet fully dried and although we are using all of the available to us efforts it is not yet ready for its direct purpose so that it be fitted and tightened into the bow so you can shoot sharpened arrows with it that God would be able to keep in his quiver and so this fresh uh, bowstring is not yet ready for uh legitimate prayer to be able to release arrows of prayer you need to first dry it out completely and so God wanted to show something to Delilah in this case listen O coastlands to me and take heed you peoples from afar the Lord has called me from the womb from the matrix of my mother he has made mention of my name and he has made my mouth like a sharp sword in the shadow of his hand he has hidden me and made me a polished shaft in his quiver he has hidden me and he said to me you are my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Isaiah 49, 1-3 The symbol of the strings of a bow from which you can shoot a sharp arrow of justice is the result of using all of the reasonable and willful strength of our soul undertaken in confession of justice demonstrated in the fruit of our womb as Methuselah that drives away death that will not be ashamed when he speaks with our enemies at the gates of our mouth. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gates. Psalm 127, 3-5. And so these promises of God need to be grown. These will be our sons and daughters. We need to make a conclusion that the Holy Spirit offered Delilah by the mouth of Samson to bind him with seven fresh bowstrings so that he can be humbled. He wanted to show her that her understanding of justice when it comes to fulfilling the will of God for the saving of her soul is immature as it does not satisfy the demands of time. First, we in this story see the reason for unanswered prayers that make us disappointed and confused where we start to doubt God's love for us. As she had doubts then uh, of Samson's love for her. Second, in the given story, we also become familiar with goal orientation and persistence in prayer. When getting to know the perfect will of God, where God could receive a legitimate uh, foundation to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ. 
Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me what you may be bound with. So he said to her, If they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Therefore Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And men were lying in wait, staying in the room. The word of God was still concealed in her heart, but he broke them off his arms like a thread. In the given uh, variation, we again see in this phrase, men were lying in wait, staying in the room. That uh, again confirms the fact that Delilah put the word of God into her heart so that she not sin. Practically, it is specifically this word that is hidden within our heart that helps us to not lose heart and not be disappointed, but with persistence and being focused on the goal, continue to search for the truth that is called to bind and humble Samson as Delilah's life depends on Samson. In the given situation, by the mouth of Samson, the Holy Spirit offered Delilah the ability to to bind Samson to humble him with new ropes that were never used or never tied anyone else with. The verb to bind in Hebrew means to make a covenant, to bind with a union, to be tied to the grapevine, to measure so you can ensure its correspondence to the original, to weigh to ensure its corresponding to the weight of the original, to examine the purity of the gold and the absence of foreign inclusions, to determine the quality of pure wine and the absence of any inclusions. That is what it means to bind with new ropes. The word rope means a measuring rope made of linen for the measuring of the temple of God and those in it, which indicates the fact that this measuring rope made of linen is the truth in the final stage. In the visions of God, he took me into the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain. On it toward the south was something like the structure of a city. He took me there, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze. He had a line of flax and a measuring rod in his hand, and he stood in the gateway. When it's talking, this is Ezekiel 42.3, when it's talking about new ropes that have never been used, this means that they've never used this rope to measure to ensure that it corresponds to the original and has never bound anyone in union for the simple reason that the word of the Lord that is received into the heart has not yet been cleansed in the furnace of earth and purified seven times. This word that she has concealed into her heart, she it has not yet been cleansed uh, of the inclusions of the flesh. And so, here we need to make the conclusion that the Holy Spirit offered Delilah by the words of Samson the ability to bind him with new ropes, so... To humble him, he wanted to show her that her ability to measure herself in prayer by the truth of the word and confirm the covenant that was made with God is not corresponding to the requirements that are implemented by the truth of the word of God. Because she used her own understanding of the covenant in her prayers, not cleansed from the foreign particles of the flesh, and in this way presented to God her own understanding of the will of God, trusting that the heavens are required to bind whatever she binds on earth. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Matthew 16, 18, 19. The version of the direct translation of the last verse is more accurate. 
where it isn't the heavens that depend on the decision of the earth, but the earth depends on the decisions of the uh, on the decisions of heaven. And what you bind on earth has already by this time been bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth has already by this time been loosed in heaven, is in the original. In other words, new ropes with which Delilah tied Samson up were called to show her that her prayers were not in accordance to the demands of truth. Therefore, the reason for not getting a response to her prayers was in Delilah herself and not in God, who is vigilant over his word within the temple of our body so that it be quickly fulfilled. The next reason for why prayers of Delilah remain unanswered, remembering that Delilah symbolizes our soul, although we have placed the word of God into our heart, the reason is found in the next dialogue of Delilah and Samson. We will remember that only in the love of the in the love of the Holy Spirit for our soul that he loves zealously, a prayer without a response is the response to which we need to change our reaction when we ask for something as well as the method by which we pray. Delilah said to Samson, until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, if you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom. So she wove it tightly with the batten of the loom and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled out the batten and the web from the loom. Judges 16, 13, 40, 14. I researched how much this uh, loom weighs and the batten, it can be about 100 kilograms. And sometimes 200 or more. Looking at this dialogue, we conclude that Delilah, representing our soul, had in her possession a textile loom. This was, she was a businesswoman. It looks like she was pretty successful. That she, she had this textile loom that she used to make herself clothing. Therefore, this textile loom symbolically represents our mouth that is called to make us clothing by confessing the faith of our heart in justification that is by the grace of God in Christ Jesus. With your mouth, you will be justified, and by your mouth, your words, you will be condemned. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the, from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scriptures say, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Romans 10, 9 through 11. Seven braids on Samson's head is dishonor that he carried upon his head in the form of reproach spoken by those who reproach or misrepresent God. Does not even nature itself teach that if a man has long hair, it is dishonor to him? First Corinthians eleven fourteen. When we bear dishonor, that is when the reproach of God falls upon us. That means we're Nazarites. We, in these uh, seven braids, bear the reproach. A Nazarite of God can experience such reproach upon one condition, and that is when he, re- he presents the interests of Christ that lives within his heart in the acts of the perfect will of God. Let not those who wait for you, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed because of me. Let not those who seek you be confounded because of me, O God of Israel, because for your sake I have borne reproach. Shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger for my brothers and an alien to my mother's children, because zeal for your house has eaten me up, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that became my reproach. Psalm 69, 6-10. We can conclude that the Holy Spirit by the mouth of Samson wanted to show Delilah, which is our soul, that the reason for her unanswered prayer 
prayers consisted in the fact that she, instead of clothing herself into Christ, to be justified by faith that abides within her heart, was trying to justify herself with reproach from those who reproach God. I want us to understand many people, that's how they understand that if they bear suffering for the truth, that this somehow justifies them. The scriptures say, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. But we are not given salvation because we are being persecuted or bear reproach. We need to know that being persecuted for the truth is a blessedness for us in the situation when it is not used by us as a tool that we justify ourselves with before God. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. 1 Corinthians 13, 3. We make the conclusion that the Holy Spirit offering Delilah by the mouth of Samson to put his seven braids that are on his head into the web of the loom and hammer it to the batten so that it can be hung that he can be humbled, he wanted to show her that her ability to clothe herself into the righteousness of faith was not corresponding to the demands that are implemented in the truth of the word of God, because the righteousness of faith is obtained when we abide in Christ, when he carries responsibility for us before God and presents our righteousness before God, and not when we carry responsibility before God for Christ, who abides within us and the reproach of those who reproach God, we carry upon our head in seven braids. Therefore, when our soul as Delilah understood the reason for her unanswered prayers shown in her shown to her in three functions where she by confession was trying to confirm the promise of her salvation in the adoption of her body by the redemption of Christ but that first it was not in, in the right time to perform God's justice as the seven fresh bowstrings that had not yet dried and furthermore were not yet ready to destroy the stronghold of death within her body with a sharpened arrow and second was not corresponding to the truth, was not clean from foreign inclusions of the soul as those two new ropes that were not able to confirm the covenant that was made with God so that uh, you can measure yourself as to whether your faith is obedient to the faith of God. And third was not in accordance to righteousness as the seven braids of law or locks upon Samson's head that were put into the loom that were unable and not called to confirm the righteousness that she had <clears throat> that, was hid, that was hidden in her room as the word of God that was hidden from her. Therefore, after the three learned by her unsuccessful attempts to receive the revelation of where the strength of Samson lied and how to bind him so that he can be overpowered, the Holy Spirit by the mouth of Samson finally revealed this mystery to her that she immediately began using. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death, that he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. <clears throat> when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her, to her and brought the money in their hand. 
you could see already the mystery how we are supposed to invest our silver. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Judges 16, 15 through 20. Practically, when God departed from Samson, who is our sacred person, the time came that corresponds to the time of persistent and aromatic battle and prayer upon the territory of the Gethsemane Garden, where we are called to agree with the perfect will of God. Specifically, our sacred person as Samson is called in Christ Jesus to lead our soul with all of its inhabitants to be baptized with the five Philistine rulers, these five senses, to be baptized in the death of the Lord Jesus so that the stronghold of death can be destroyed within our body in the broken tablets of the covenant so that we can receive the right in the new tablets of the covenant to resurrect our soul in the resurrection of Christ in a new to it form where she will become God's belonging and will receive the ability to be placed into the sanctuary next to the golden ark of the covenant. Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water from them, for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. Numbers 28.9 Pay attention here. The Philistines did not kill Samson because symbolically their life and their well-being within our body depended on the life of Samson. And as we talked about previously, they were wiser than the fallen cherubim that sawed off the branch that he was sitting on. As killing Christ upon the Golgotha cross, he killed and destroyed his kingdom within our body. What did the Philistines do with Samson? Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. Judges 16.21 This was a large grind and Typically, uh, women did this. Uh, they ground their own than their house. They were smaller grinds, and they would grind uh, the, the grains so that it turned into flour. And this was for the nation. This was a very large, and uh, as you can call industrial size, it was very, very large uh, grinds where that grinders, and so a person would then lean against uh, this uh, rod and pull and push it uh, and typically it was a slave who did it or prisoners the Philistines putting his eyes out took him to Gaza where shortly before this he tore out the city of, of the gates of the city gates of Gaza with its posts and bar, and carried it to the top of the mountain facing Hebron. It is in Gaza that lost its gates that the Temple of Dagon was, that all of the Philistines worshipped. The Philistines are the unclean thoughts and corrupt desires that live within our body. The devil in nature is vengeful. Therefore, having experienced destruction from Samson in Gaza, he now decided to take his power back over our mouth, representing the gates of Gaza, provoking the Philistines to bring Samson to Gaza. Putting out Samson's eyes and bringing him to Gaza, the Philistines shackled him with two fetters of bronze, and he was 
the grinder in the prison. We won't forget that for a sacred person that abides in Christ Jesus to obtain the virtue of the Lord Jesus, his vision needs to be taken from him so that he can obtain the virtue of the Lord Jesus his vision needs to be taken from him so that he not be able to see what the Philistines are doing that live within his body because only having become blind so that he not see that what the Philistines that live within his body are doing he now can clearly see what God intends to do within his body and in what way he intends to destroy the stronghold of death within the within his body so that he can subvert the Philistines which are unclean thoughts and corrupt desires into hell hear you deaf and look you blind that you may see who is blind but my servant or deaf as my messenger whom I send who is blind as he who is perfect and blind as the Lord's servant seeing many things but you do not observe opening the ears but you did not hear the Lord is well pleased for his righteous righteousness sake he will exalt the law and make it honorable Isaiah 42, 18 through 21. Practically, the Holy Spirit through Samson, which is our sacred person, in order to save Delilah, which is our soul, from the Philistines that live within our body, needed to voluntarily die together with the Philistines in the death of the Lord Jesus. Only in this way was Samson able to give God the proper foundation to enliven his spirit together with his soul, but now without the Philistines. For thus is the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones Isaiah 57 15 that is to uh, erect them from 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 death and if in the if in the plan for Delilah representing our soul Samson needed to die then in the Philistine situation the death of Samson was not expected for the Philistines unlike governing sin that supports the Philistines it was vital and necessary for these Philistines that Samson be shackled with the two fetters of bronze and remain alive and grind flour in the prison. To understand the symbol of the bronze fetters, the prison and the grinding of the flour in prison, it is necessary for us to study each of these three given symbols separately. The two bronze fetters on the hands of Samson, who represents our sacred person, is the right giving your soul the ability to judge yourself within the boundary that are implemented by God and His law that is imprinted upon the two tablets of our conscience. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged, 1 Corinthians 11.31. And so bronze is always a tool with which we judge ourselves. To judge yourself in accordance to the demands that are in the implemented by God law that abides within our heart as the two bronze fetters, you need to be bound by His law, which upon practice means to continuously have this law before the eyes of your spirit and your mind and look upon this law with trembling and discipline your will with the perfect will of God. Therefore, clothing yourself into the elementary principles of Christ or binding yourself with the elementary principles of Christ let us go out, go on to perfection not laying again the foundation of, of turning from dead works and of faith toward God the doctrine of baptism laying on of the hands the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment Hebrews 6 1 2 bringing the blind Samson to Gaza and ba- binding him with the bronze fetters they put him in the prison and he became a grinder in the prison first the prison where Samson ground flour symbolizes putting under the guard of the law 
where in Christ Jesus we need to die by the law for the law so that we can condemn governing sin that lives within our body, which is our old person. Galatians 3.22-23 But the scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterwards be revealed. Second, the prison where Samson ground flowers, a symbol of where God lead, leads us under the rod of his mouth, so that he can bring us into the bonds of the covenant, confirming the death of the Lord Jesus within our, within our body, so that he can separate from his midst the rebels and disobedient, which are the unclean Philistines. I will make you pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. That is this prison. I will purge the rebel from among you and those who tra- transgress against me. I will bring them out of the country where they dwell, but they shall not enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel 20, 37-38. After some time, the hair upon Samson's head began to grow in the prison where it was cut, which gave the Holy Spirit the proper foundation to reinstate Samson to the virtue and power of a Nazarite, where the reproach of those who reproach God could come upon him. Specifically at this time, the rulers of the Philistines gathered together to bring a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to celebrate and say that God has uh, given our enemy Samson into our hands. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now the Lord of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered into the hands of Samson our enemy. Our hand, Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multipli- multiplied our dead. So it happened when their hearts were married that they said, Call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them, and they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple, so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof, watching while Samson performed. Judges 16:22 through 27. Although the Philistines in no way wanted to put, put Samson to death, they finally completed the final act of bringing Samson into the house of their god Dagon, which were supported by demons of deception and materialistic prosperity. And this was a counterfeit to the liberty of Christ and deliverance of the spirit of poverty. Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember, remember me, I pray, strengthen me, I pray just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle uh, pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and one on the left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the lords and all of the people who were there. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. Judges 16, 28 through 30. The symbol of the house of Dagon, whom the Philistines worshipped, was within our body the stronghold of death. That is the old person that represents the program programmable system of the fallen cherubim, the producer of sin, that is, our uncircumcised thoughts and desires, we can conclude that to destroy the house of Dagon within our body is to subvert from within our body the old man with his deeds. 
the symbol of the lad that held Samson by the hand and brought him to the two pillars that the temple of Dagon were supported by is the symbol of the Holy Spirit that, like Christ, he brought himself in Jesus Christ uh, without blemish before God so that he can be cleansed or his body would be cleansed from the uncircumcised thoughts and desires. For the blood of the bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Hebrews 9, 13, 14. The death of Samson that represents our sacred person is the symbol of the Son of God who destroys with the confession of the faith of Samson, the house of Dagon, that presents within our body the old person with his deeds. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 7, 8. Destroy the house of Dagon. Destroy the old man the programmable system of the fallen cherubim within our body. According to the fact that Adam had sinned in the flesh to destroy the works of the devil within our body that have been committed, that have made our body its house and residency, the redemption of our body to be able to redeem it, it it was necessary for the Son of God that was within the entrails of the Father to be born before the creation of the world and to receive then this body in the flesh. And as much then as the children have partaken of the flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Hebrews 2, 14 through 16. However, to deprive power... from the stronghold of death within our body, the Son of God could do this only by the circumcision uh, that is not of man's hand in the symbol of Samson as the sacred person. So again, he can't do this without us. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and this uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that were against us, which was co- which were contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having it disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public, a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Colossians 2, 11 through 15. Uh, the Lord did this, but he did this through our new person. <clears throat> and if we don't understand how to do this and, and that our spirit will work with our soul, that colla- collaboration will not happen, nothing will happen then. We need to know that when we are instructed in the faith, we are being born from the seed of the word of truth and are born from God's spirit still does not have circumcision that is the covenant that is firm, eternal, and 
forever between God and us. Just as in Israel a male child was born, he did not yet have upon his body the seal of righteousness, which was his circumcision. And only on the eighth day, when an infant was circumcised, he then symbolically received the seal of righteousness, that upon his body was a sign. This was a covenant between this infant and God, and in this way uh, membered him to the chosen by God remnant. Genesis 17, 9 through 14. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants, after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised every male child in your generation he who is born in your house or brought or bought with money from an, any foreigner who is not your descendant he who is born in your house he who is brought, bought with your money must be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant and this uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin that person shall be cut off from his people he has <coughs> broken my covenant and so in this way the circumcision without man's hands of our new person is the destruction of the stronghold of death within our body and gives God the proper foundation to erect in its place the stronghold of life and now I want to pay attention to the command that God gave Abraham about the covenant Abraham was not under the law and so circumcision was given not in the law it was independent from the law as tithes that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob followed, they it was not a product of the law, as circumcision also was not a product of the law. Because Abraham was not under the law. He was but he was circumcised. This needs to be clear. And this needs to be a great example for us because God said to the priests that when they enter into the temple, if they their heart won't be circumcised, then they will die. And so circumcision upon their body didn't say anything. Together with that circumcision upon their body, they needed to have a circumcised heart. And so it's not that they receive in the new new covenant this promise. It was also in the old. God said to him, uh, this is my covenant, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between you and me and that each uh, male child that is either born or born with uh, with money uh, will be circumcised. Purchase from uh, foreigners. You know that our mouth is that foreigner because our body in its state is not able to inherit the kingdom of heaven. It is foreign. It is not able to live there, but we purchase it for silver or with silver. We purchase it and we circumcise it. So when our mouth is circumcised, it becomes gentle, humbled, is to restrained, to be bound with a covenant. And so it's important that we begin to discipline our mind and our words that we say with our with our mouth in our communications because if your mouth can easily speak dirty words 
or words that are hurtful or words that are offensive and uh, belittling parents to children, children to parents, wife to husband, husband to wife, uh, and and so forth. That means that we are then not yet circumcised with a circumcision without man's hands. We don't have a gentle tongue. The silver is given to the Philistines, five senses. They took the silver of salvation to be able to invest them, but we invest it when we count ourselves dead to sin, living for God, and begin to call ourselves perfect in Jesus Christ. And so now, when you do this and you have received that, made that decision that you want to have the guarantee for rapture, you want to bear your methuselah, you need to work with your mouth and with your thoughts. For example, you said a word that you didn't didn't want to say. As they say, not leaving the cashier, say, Lord, I didn't want to say these words, I apologize, and the words will not then be used against you. Why did was Delilah not able to bind Samson? Why did Samson not reveal his secret to her? Because his goal was to save the soul, but why was he not immediately revealing it to her? Because her prayer was not was not mature, it was not right, she trusted in what she wasn't supposed to trust in. And so instead of trusting that in Jesus Christ we receive justification, she thought to receive it justification because Christ lives in her, that the the reproach was falling upon her that co- co- goes against him. And so we carry responsibility for uh, for God's will when we bear reproach uh, that is against him. But when you begin to state with your tongue, uh, say with, speak with your tongue, be careful that no idle words or or dirty uh, words come out of your mouth. Idle words are words that are good and right, but you don't live with it. It's not in your heart. The proper prayer without the right state is not, it doesn't work. And so when you begin to work with your thoughts, I'll tell you in my own experience, this is difficult in the beginning. You know that our thoughts are constantly somewhere else, not where we are. We are in one place, but our thoughts are always somewhere else. We are in church, but our thoughts are somewhere else. They're constantly, our thoughts, it's such an organ that captures everything. It can simultaneously be uh, uh, on the moon, on Mars, wherever wherever you want it to be, it has no boundary. And so it needs to be bound, it needs to be uh, within the boundaries and needs to be bound. With this covenant, we need to speak the words of the covenant. And so I began to control my thoughts and when I think of something and then I, suddenly I see already my thoughts are somewhere else some kind of fantasy or ideas and we are people are used to fantasizing as life is not always successful at least in your thoughts you can fantasize about something and then your husband wife and wife is good your husband your job is great and we have everything everything is uh, wonderful in the thoughts and we're always thinking that but this is all earthly things. We're not. This is not meditating about the things of heaven. We're meditating about the things of the world. But the scriptures say directly that this is the mark of the beast upon our foreheads when we're meditating about the things of, of the world. I became afraid and said, Lord, help me. Help me 
and I began to control my thoughts. And when the wrong words were coming out of my mouth, I said, Lord, I take these words back. As the centurion said, although I am a person uh, that uh, that is a, under authority but have soldiers under me, speak the word and my, so, my servant will be healed, he told Christ. He understood that Jesus can speak his words and it will work. You don't need to so he, as one who gives commands, he doesn't have the shovel in his hand or the gun. If you're the engineer, you don't need to dig the hole because you are you have someone who's doing it. If you are the if you are the general, uh, then you have your sol- your your soldiers that will be shooting, not you. And so. Words are, are are bullets, these are arrows that are, are released. And so, who is releasing them? Our mouth releases them. And so, for these bowstrings not to be uh, not, 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 not yet mature, not yet ready, we are destroying the enemies that are within us. And I began to control my thoughts better and better and better it was improving and it came to the point where even when my wife is coming and ask and or calling me to eat my thoughts began to work uh, as thinking about other things and so you need to do what you need, as Josh, God said to Joshua, may the words of the law not depart from your mouth. Be in it day and night, studying it so you can accurately fulfill everything written, then you will be successful in all your works. If we want to be successful in the calling that God has given to us to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ, then it is necessary for us that our mouth become different, become gentle, they won't become this way on their own. This is a process. This is work. As soon as you make the decision and begin doing it, then you will begin changing. Maybe it won't be noticeable, be quiet, but it will start happening. Your husband and wife will begin to see it. Your children will see it. You'll see it for yourself that you are not like that anymore, that you've changed. You'll begin to take control of your emotions although they're going to rise and 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 complain but you will command them you've disciplined your mind the kind of thoughts you have is how you are everything starts from the thoughts and so god how is he the kind of thoughts god has is who he is in the beginning was the thought in god it was god's program it was in the form of a thought and this program this thought how they are in us they identify us they state uh, they represent who we are uh, they identify us and the same thing with God his thoughts identify him and so God in his thoughts he created the heavens and the earth he created a man to live upon it he grew a person into full measure of growth in Jesus Christ he brought him to a point where he became his house so that he can live inside of him. And so as soon as all of this was ready, God had it in his thoughts, then he began to speak those things and he spoke those things that were in his thoughts. And then after that, he uh, disciplined himself with his own words and spoke 
what he had said already previously. He placed himself in dependence of the words he spoke. And so when we understand that strategy and how God uh, by Samson saved the soul and body and Samson himself, yes, in this his story, Samson doesn't resurrect, but we know that it was the Holy Spirit that led him to the house of the prison. He was in this prison under the guard of the law. All of us will be under the guard of the law until we will not destroy the house of Dagon within our body. We will continue to stay under the guard of the law. This law will continue to be in our new person. And seeing sin, any grace, any grace, because grace comes uh, or begins working, Today, we sang, may the rivers of grace, uh, people used to sing, may the rivers of grace uh, uh, fill the nations with their waters of grace. And however you may sing or pray these words, grace is uh, governs within the body by the fruits of righteousness. As grace may reign through righteousness, it says in scripture. And so... For the most part, Christianity, for the most part, they are not under grace. May, may uh, God allow at least they be in the prison that they be there or that their eyes uh, be plucked out, that they may be able to see what's going on in the spirit to become deaf and blind to what the world says. He is an example for us. We were driving or was it at home, my spouse says that, why is it all people today are tattooing their bodies because the world has matured? The tattoos, what are tattoos on the body? This is a program. Our body is a programmable system. And this is a programmable living system. And when we put some a tattoo upon our body, it has a meaning. We're not talking about uh, like uh, if someone is tattooing uh, maybe where their eyebrows were uh, just to, to add a little bit to the to the face. But when you're putting these images on your body, you change the code in your body. You can change the code in spirit when you receive a, a partial truth and then you change the code in your spirit also. And so that genetic uh, code that has been given to you uh, from God will start changing then because you received deception for truth. And so it's important to understand that it is necessary for us to constantly meditate about the Word of God over these principles, how we need to discipline ourselves, restrain ourselves. Who will restrain their tongue, they will be able to restrain their whole body, will discipline their whole body. We put bits in horses' mouths, uh, and so also uh, ships are are being controlled by a small rudder. Uh, and so a um, small member, but it is connected with hell, the tongue, because these are the gates of hell. God wants that these be the gates of Jerusalem, the gates of Zion, that these be gates of heaven, that from it come uh, confessions that are in accordance to what is inside of your heart begin to do this. Control your thoughts. Confess. For example, you said something in anger, you were upset, you, 
you said something to your wife, your husband. Don't hold this inside of yourself for long. Two, three days, think. 10 to 15 minutes later, come and say, I'm sorry, forgive me. I didn't mean to say this. And the sooner you ask for forgiveness, the better you will mature, uh, the better your mouth, uh, the sooner your mouth will become a tree of life, will become gentle. Not having a gentle mouth, you have no guarantee to be raptured. We are glad, we rejoice, we receive this information, but this information won't work until we apply it, until we discipline our thoughts, and then with our thoughts, we discipline along with our thoughts, our mouth, and they will become then the gates of heaven. Let us bend our knees or our heads and pray and thank God for those symbols, for the word that we have received that is called to discipline our mouth so that by the discipline of our mouth we can discipline our body and may the Lord the Lord bless us in this prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bow myself in my spirit before you upon this blessed by you place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your holy name in spirit and truth. You have taught us how to worship in spirit and truth so that we can speak those words that are your words that come out of your mouth so that we can pray these words, sing these words and meditate about these words Allow or give us strength and diligence so that we can comprehend this truth so that we not, not continue to cease but seek the truth as Delilah was persistent pursuing the goals, her goals, and although she wasn't receiving it in the beginning, she wasn't disappointed, but continued to push. Give your nation the ability to understand that if something's not working, don't be disappointed, but continue to confess the truth of the Word of God and wait in patience, because you said with patience, and perseverance, waiting for the promise we can save our soul, not having patience, that is hope for to all of the promises of God that are within our heart, we will not be able to inherit the promise of the adoption of our body. I thank you that our heart is no longer a cemetery of promises. You have resurrected these promises in our heart, and there are many of them, and they are all alive. And these are this is our inheritance. These are our children. Every one that has is a sharp, uh, sharp arrow or sharpened arrow. Allow that our words would become these sharpened arrows that you have, that you would keep in your quiver that is our heart and may your mercy be blessing for us may it be a blessing and as the time has come to arise 
from the ashes and destroy the shackles of accusation, shackles of suspicion, shackles of dirty words, idle words. Allow and teach us to stand guard of the door of our mouth as you stand guard and are vigilant over your words in the temple of our body. And when you see that we are vigilant over your words in the temple of our body, then you will have the right foundation you need to fulfill your words for us. May your word be lifted up and blessed above all your names in the temple of our body so that we can understand the value and the importance of the confessed by us word of faith so that we learn to humble ourselves and so that we would clothe ourselves into the quality of blindness and deafness of Christ so that we be dead to sin and not see what the flesh is doing and what is happening around us in this world because being blind and deaf in Jesus Christ we begin to see what we have not seen before only then will we see your work and we will be able to see your signs what we need to do, how to do it and when to do it and so may your mercy be blessing may this word be deeply put into our heart because to be blind to become deaf is to die for your nation the house of your father and for your life in the flesh I thank you I rejoice before your face together with your people for the word that we receive that is more valuable than gold, the gold of Ophir. I worship before you together with your people, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever. Amen.